Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage. And no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Yep. Good evening and welcome to the Bill Michaels Huddle, a special Wednesday night edition as we get you ready. Well, tomorrow night, obviously, we've got New Year's Eve, but we get you ready for the big game coming up this weekend, a 325 kickoff live at Soldier Field as the Packers go for the uh, the top seed in the NFC. A win, and it's in. And the Bears, in the meantime, they are trying to stay alive as well. If they win, they're in the postseason. If they lose, then they have to help hope for help from uh, the Rams to knock off the Cardinals to remain in the postseason. The huddle tonight presented, as always, by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good, brewed with that unique five-step filtration process that ensures a cleaner finish, no lingering aftertaste, and only 100 calories go to Bud Light Dot com. That is BudLight.com. On the panel tonight, uh, Dan Casper from 105.1 in Eau Claire. Dan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, bud. How you doing? It's been a while. We are, we're doing well. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. And also, Grant Bills tonight uh, from WKTY in La Crosse, the western portion of the state represented. Uh, Grant, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. I just talked about the Mayo Bowl for two hours on my show, so I'm, I'm okay with some <laughs> Packers talk for a while. <laughs> it wasn't shattered dreams. It was a shattered trophy after the fact that yeah. ended up falling to the floor. So, But, nah, hey, the, the Badgers ended the, uh, the year on a high note, so you take it. But yeah. uh, Packers trying to do the same. Uh, let, let, me, let me start with you, Dan, in this one. Um, it, when you look at this game, I, I mean, I'm listening to the hype for this thing, and it's obviously huge in Chicago. I mean, they feel that they win, they get in, then they can hand back a very cold dish of humble pie to the Green Bay Packers for what the Packers did to them at Soldier Field uh, back in 20, uh, 2010, 2011, as they went on to win a Super Bowl. This feels like, at least the Bears fans feel like, this is going to be the launching point for them and their run to a Super Bowl. How do you see this contest? I kind of thought I was wondering if Bears fans were, were kind of thinking the same thing because there is a lot of parallels uh, to it at, at least. But you know, I, I look at this and I think the wild card is still going to be Mitchell Trubisky. Well, what kind of version of Mitchell Trubisky are, are, is Chicago going to get? I mean, was it last week all the talk in the national media that hey, maybe the Bears are going to keep him and resign him? He, he's playing good, better football. Let, let's be honest. Let's give the kid credit. He's playing better football. 
and we know he can use his legs a little bit there, but I think that that's going to be the ultimate wild card. They're getting Montgomery going in, in the running game there. Uh, Akeem Hicks, uh, you know, if he's back playing the middle of the defense for, for uh, Chicago there, they didn't have to face him last time. That's going to be a big boost there. We know Smith's a talented linebacker. Aaron Rodgers was singing his praises earlier today. But I think still the wild card is going to be what kind of version of Mitchell Trubisky are we going to get? And it's kind of similar to, like, I think the Jay Culler years almost a little bit. Like, what what kind of version are you going to get from him? If he's playing well, it could be an interesting game. But if Green Bay is going to be able to put some pressure on him, and if Jair Alexander can keep doing his thing on Allen Robinson and shutting him down and and just kind of keeping that contained pressure on Mitchell Trubisky and not allowing him to step up and escape the pocket and scramble and all that, then I think you can fluster him and he's going to give that defense some opportunities to turn the ball over. And right now, those safeties, especially Savage, they're finding that ball pretty dang well back there. And speaking of 2010, maybe even reminding people of Nick Collins. Who has more pressure on him, Grant, the Packers' defense or the Bears' defense? Ooh, well... Maybe the Packers defense because they gotta they gotta back up what they did last week, right? If if they can slow down and, and shut down a top five offense in the NFL, like the Titans are a top five offense. The Titans are really, really good. I, I think we forget about that because we get so keyed in on Derrick Henry. They run the ball and, and they're gritty, but I, I think we forget they're a really good top five offense and the Packers shut them down. They're not just Derrick Henry or the Packers defense, excuse me. So hopefully they can back that up, but they got, they got to think right that after a, a great performance against a great opponent, hopefully they can do that against the bears, right? They're not going to let down just because their, their opponent starts dropping off. That That's what's curious. When you talk about pressure, they did it against the Titans. They should be able to do it against the bears, right? You would figure you would figure, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, would uh, I, 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 I look at it this way. I, you know, it, again, you talked about uh, and name some of the names, Dan, you talk about Darnell Savage, who is playing extremely well. We know what Jair Alexander has brought all season long. Savage has been really good, really in the second half of this season. Now you're seeing the middle linebacker start to produce. You're seeing a guy like Rashawn Gary really start to emerge. Kingsley Kiki has given support, even though he's out right now with the concussion. You saw the, uh, Kenny Clark again, have a monstrous game this past week, not necessarily statistically, but just with pressure and cutting off cut back lanes and really putting kind of you know two bodies taking on two bodies in the zone and allowing other guys to kind of clean it up and pick up Derrick Henry you ever since the you know both Preston and Zedaria Smith went to Mike Pettin and said hey you know let us do what we do and let's simplify things the sack totals have gone up does it seem like this defense is starting to hit their stride I think it does. I, I know a lot of people were kind of, again, referencing 2010 where the, maybe the defense started to pick up its stride and start to, to to kind of hit on all cylinders. I think you're seeing a defense, too, that's playing with a lot more confidence uh, in this, especially guys like Savage and uh, the, the younger inside linebackers, Martin, Barnes, and, and uh, Kirksey uh, having a good game last week against the Titans. They're playing better. I know a lot of people still like to point the finger to Mike Pettin and the defense because it's easy to point that finger but you got to give credit to where credit scoot credits do they're playing extremely well or at least uh, in the last few weeks and you look at that safety duo adrian amos he he may not you know be getting the recognition like savage has been getting these last few weeks because of the interceptions but that's a guy that's been flying all over the place in in pass defense and and now playing up in the box a little bit more to to fill in for uh the injured raven green I think the big thing here is they're just playing with confidence and maybe even playing a little bit more looser. Uh, you, you mentioned it, Bill, with uh, with the trio, Clark and Smith, the Smith brothers going to uh, going to Mike Pettin and talking to him. 
since then, you, you can kind of see them playing a little bit more loose, a little bit more confident. I'm glad you brought up Kenny Clark. He may not show up in the stat sheets, but he's making those tackles. He's going up and down the line of scrimmage. I, I just think they're playing at, at a really high level at the, at the exact right time that they need to be. I really like uh, the guy that not, is not getting a lot of attention, but he's been very quietly kind of a, a leader in that secondary grant, and that's Adrian Amos. I mean, he was a pickup that really kind of went unheralded. He's just he's just a guy that uh, you know kind of roams around back there, but you talk about a stabilizing factor. He's not getting burned. He's in the right place at the right time. He's not a guy that you know you continually continuously see on a highlight reel that's missing tackles. Adrian Amos has been really stabilizing, I guess would be the best way to call it, in that secondary playing that safety position, hasn't he? Well, well, I think it that's a good word, stabilizing. And it's funny, Bill, because six or seven weeks ago, we felt very different about Adrian Amos and about some of the other members of this defense. I think six or seven weeks ago, the possibility that Adrian Amos might actually be cut to save money against the cap. He was in that group with Preston Smith and a couple of other of these players. The Packers might cut some of these guys. Maybe they cut Adrian Amos to save some money against the cap. And it's crazy to see how things have changed. And I think you got to give a little bit of credit to Mike Pettin. And I know we love to rip on Mike Pettin because it's easy. It's easy to blame the defense. We don't want to blame Aaron Rodgers. But you got to give Mike Pettin credit because he's moved Adrian Amos closer to the line of scrimmage, not as a pass rusher, not like Jamal Adams, but he's brought him closer to the ball where he's better. Like he's better in that role. He's fine in coverage, but I think Darnell Savage has shown that he's better in coverage. Darnell Savage since week 10, when targeted three for 16, zero touchdowns mm-hmm. for only 57 yards, four yeah. picks. Like he's been great in coverage. Adrian Amos is better around the ball and you got to give Mike Pettin credit. And I know we love to rip him, and he's had some bad games this year, but you got to give him credit for really putting those two safeties in specific positions so they can both do their best work. Now they bring in uh, Dan Snacks Harrison. And Snacks, once his release, he leaves uh, Seattle, basically saying he's not interested in football anymore, gets claimed by the Packers, and then all of a sudden uh, you see his tweet that says, bingo. It's almost like he orchestrated himself out of Seattle knowing that uh, the Packers may pick him up. Now I'm not saying there's collusion there, but what I am saying is is that if a guy comes in inspired that uh, can also be a run stuffer, um, that does nothing but buy. I just remember when Dom Capers had beef up front. He had Howard Green. He had C.J. Wilson. He had Cullen Jenkins. He had B.J. Raji. When you can ro- rotate big, beefy guys up front, that that gives you a lot of ability not only to stuff the run, but also to bring in fresh legs consistently against an offensive line and mix and match personnel. He may add a different dynamic to this team. I agree, and uh... – I think when when you look back at that Dom Capers defense that won him a Super Bowl, everybody pays attention to you know Charles Woodson and and Tremont and Sam Shields in his rookie year, and you had Desmond Bishop coming in and and kind of uh, elevating AJ Hawk's game. But it really started up front with with the with the Ryan Pickett's, with the Howard Greens, with the BJ Rajis, those guys that set that tone right there. And it, it, when I when I saw the news with with Harrison, it almost reminded me a little bit last year of. Terrell Suggs remember when he got released from Mm -hmm. Arizona and then he's like I only want to go to Baltimore and and all that well Kansas City picked him up he's like hey that's not a bad option either I'll I'll go there and anyone anyone a Super Bowl ring so I I I like the move I'm intrigued with the move Uh, I saw some of the comments from uh, uh, Bakhtiari you know he's excited about it Kenny Clark tweeted about it I, I think that the other element to this too is when he walks in that locker room that got a bunch of his new teammates pumped up too because they know now like all right, now now our front office thinks we got a chance at doing this. Let's take advantage of this. That's got to get them jacked up. 
and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now, guys. I don't know why I'm getting excited about this right now. (laughs) A guy named Snacks walks through the door, and you got goosebumps. Uh, Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. All the flavors of cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors as well. Go to BudLight.com when we come back. We'll talk more about uh, Mitch Trubisky and also about the loss, uh, not only in this first contest, but possibly in this second contest between these two teams. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michaels Huddle next. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I didn't even know he was coming in for a workout. <laughs> oh, see, so we broke news to David Bakhtiari. That's beautiful. Good. Yeah, well, apparently that's, that's he's in well, Seattle. How, well, how good is he? Oh, he, I mean, he, he's a good player. He's he's for, he? for being just a a guy, a, a run stopper that can give you a, a great presence in the middle especially when you play base personnel when you got a bunch of bigs out there. I mean, he's a tough man to move. And he's a very smart player, very instinctive, and he's he's garnered the accolades. All, all that has been earned for him. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be very exciting to see um, if we if we do get him. I definitely would help uh, build depth and definitely a big man in the, uh, in the middle for our team. Well, now they got him. That is David Bakhtiari talking about Snacks Harrison, who requested his uh, release from the uh, from the Seattle Seahawks, got it, and really said he didn't have a lot of interest in playing football anymore until the Packers picked him up, and then he became enthusiastic all over again. Welcome back. It's Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by our friends at uh, Bud Light Seltzer and Bud Light Seltzer. Don't forget, uh, go to BudLight.com for all the information. Naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. Joining us tonight, Dan Casper, 105.1 in Eau Claire, and Grant Bills uh, from WKTY in La Crosse. And, uh, and Grant, this time I'll start with you. I, I know Snacks, we'll talk about a little bit more about him coming in. We were, were kind of ta- touching on that in the last segment. But Akeem Hicks, we had mentioned him coming back. He did not uh, practice today. He's sick. Uh, we don't know to what extent. We don't know what is the cause. We don't know if it's COVID or something else. But nevertheless, Akeem Hicks uh, out, did not participate today ill um he, he's a loss if they if he can't come back and stuff the middle remember the last time these two teams met up uh jamal williams aaron jones kind of had a field day and it really propelled aaron Rodgers to do what he did against this defense if they don't have a keem hicks again that is a huge loss in the middle of that bears defense outside of a quarterback uh bill i don't know if there's a player in the nfl that changes the dynamic of a team like Akeem Hicks does. It's fascinating because if you watch the, the the Bears and the Vikings play with Akeem Hicks healthy, Dalvin Cook is is stuffed every single play. Like he's still Dalvin Cook, he's still dynamic, he's still dangerous, but the, the dynamic is is way different. Dalvin Cook versus the Bears defense with Akeem Hicks, not much room for Cook. As soon as Akeem Hicks left that Vikings game, all of a sudden Dalvin Cook has room to go. Like you can run on the Bears defense, except if Akeem Hicks is in there, then all of a sudden they're great against the run. Like his impact just by himself is huge. And if he's out this weekend, oh my God, well, Aaron Jones coming back healthy, Jamal Williams back healthy too, but now AJ Dillon's in the fold too. So you have three running backs that you can scheme with and work with. And I would personally love to see Matt LaFleur do some two running back sets, get two of them on the field at once. I really like all three of them. So I don't think we need to limit each back to a series apiece. Let's get multiple weapons on the field and Jones and Williams and Dillon, they could have a field day if Akeem Hicks isn't in there, which only makes life easier for Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and Aaron Rodgers. And all of a sudden, you know, the offense has a pretty good day. Akeem Hicks by himself, and I'm sure you two have noticed this too, just the impact he makes alone, whether he's in or out, the the, the difference is huge. 
How much, Dan, you know, if let's say Akeem Hicks is there uh, and he does come back from whatever it is he's, you know, ailing with right now, but how much do you then run all three running backs? I mean, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams is back, A.J. Dillon. How much do you, I mean, A.J. Dillon come off, coming off of his best game, obviously, as a pro, do you run him and pound the ball or do you, I mean, because just Aaron Jones just has an extra gear. He's got an extra jump. He's got an extra uh, sight, a vision on the field. There's just something special about him. So how much do you run all three or do you stick with the guy that got you there? I think the easy answer is you, you probably think Jones and hitting the outsides, right? So you try to avoid the the middle and you try mm-hmm. to avoid, you know, getting into that group there. But I think one thing too, if we remember from that Chicago game, even without Akeem Hicks, there was a lot of a lot of motion and a lot of misdirection just to try to get those inside linebackers to step one different way to slow down to Smith. Uh, you know, just to, th- that one step to to the opposite direction paid dividends to that Packers running game to open up some of the holes there. So, I mean, you're probably going to see more of that, but if Hakeem Hicks is in there, you know, how much of an effect is that going to be? It, it, I mean, it probably still be a little bit affected, but I would think not as much because you still got a big guy in the middle clogging up those lanes. But that was one thing I think I, the, the broadcast did a good job highlighting it because with, with those jet sweeps, with, with those motions, it made those backers, those inside linebackers, take that one step the other way. And then, you know, Jones is able to take a couple steps uh, head start the other way, that misdirection stuff. So uh, the easy answer is going to be, you know, try to hit outside Jones, do the do the jet sweeps, do the misdirection. Um, but I mean, it, Green Bay can't just officially abandon, you know, the, the middle of the gate, middle of the field either. They got a pretty dang good center in Corey Lindsley. Uh, their offensive line, I think, is an offensive line that maybe doesn't get talked uh, enough about this year for for what they've for what they've been doing and how they've been playing at such a high level there. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, you probably just me guessing, I would assume that you're probably not going to see as much AJ Dillon as last week, just because of uh, matchup based. Um, And that's not necessarily a bad thing because (laughs) you got top five rusher and Aaron Jones, who's pretty dang good too. Grant, when you talk about the offensive line, Corey Lindsley came back. They had a big game, obviously, on the ground and, and uh, you know, doing part to A.J. Dillon and what he was able to accomplish. Aaron Jones, obviously, extremely solid. But as good as Elton Jenkins is, how much money is Corey Lindsley making for himself right now and the fact that he, when he comes back, it is noticeable about how good he is? Corey Lindsley's really, really, really good. And I don't know what the Packers plan is this offseason. UWL grad, Brian Gudikins, my fellow Eagle. I don't know what his plan is, <laughs> if they're going to retool, if they're going to cut and gut the roster to save money. I don't know. Corey Lindsley would be money well spent. He is tremendous, and we've seen that this year. But the Packers are pretty good at developing offensive linemen. Like, I feel pretty good about Lucas Patrick. The, the one game that jumps out to me is the Carolina game. Carolina was like 27th, 28th. Uh, in in sack rate in the NFL. And the Packers have been tremendous preventing sacks all season long. And yet the Panthers were able to get five sacks on him. And that's the kind of game that worries me. Lucas Patrick, probably five out of six games will be great. And will probably be 99% of Corey Lindsley for much less money. And the Packers are great at coaching a player like that up, develop, developing him, you know, John Runyon, much of the same. The difference is Corey Lindsley isn't going to have that one stinker game. You know, I talk about this on my show all the time. As players get paid more and they turn into superstars, really the most important thing is consistency. Like 2014, Devontae Adams was a rookie. He had two great games where he really jumped off the screen, the Cowboys game in the playoffs and the Patriots game in the regular season. Other than that, 
he he didn't do a whole lot. He had a couple of good catches against the Dolphins with the fake spike game, but really superstar players are consistent players. You can you know what you're getting every single night. And Corey Lindsley, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for consistency and you're paying to avoid that one stinker game that the offensive line had against the Carolina Panthers. So if, if you're thinking about, you know, going cheap and letting Corey Lindsley go, that's fine. Just know that every once in a while, the player with which you replace Corey Lindsley you know, might have a stinker game. And maybe that's something the Packers live with. Maybe not. I don't know what their plan is, but Corey Lindsley would certainly be money well spent. You know, if Goody uh, went to UW Eau Claire, he'd have a Super Bowl championship already (laughs) over Grant. So I'm just saying, you know. (laughs) Really get into the, you get into the WEAC schools. Brian, Brian Gudikins has taken some heat in the lacrosse area and I've, I've defended him a little bit, but we used to we used to brag about the UWL background all the time. And around the trade deadline and the draft, we were a little bit we were a little bit quieter mm. about that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it wasn't. Uh, you weren't touting it as much, saying, "Well, maybe that education no. didn't pay off." Yeah, you didn't <laughs> no. go all in. I, okay, I get it. Hey, uh, Dan, uh, I want to go back to uh, the Bears. This game obviously, you know, means a lot to to them in so many different ways. It's either validation for what it is they did midseason with Matt Nagy giving up the play calling, turning it over laser, and then obviously. Mitch Trubisky coming back and playing well. They put him on the run more. Look, the Packers just faced Ryan Tannehill, the number two quarterback when it came to play action and being on the run. Trubisky has played better on the run. I don't fear Trubisky at all. Mitch Trubisky's Mitch Trubisky. His body of work is his body of work. I know they've changed the play calling a little bit for him to make him a little bit better, but but a couple of games does not a career make, and I believe Mitch Trubisky is same old Mitch, and you want Mitch to play quarterback. Is that the same philosophy you have going into this game? Nice uh, Charles Woodson quote right there, Bill. Thank uh, you very much. Channeling the the uh, Jay Cutler quote right there. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's just uh, to me, and I agree with you with the with like the two games. You know, doesn't make a career. I completely agree with you. I just think if they can get David Montgomery going in that running game and taking a lot of pressure off Mitchell Trubisky, if they're going to be able to get that going and they're going to be able to get play action going, and for the one time in his career Trubisky is accurate on most of his passes and and not overthrowing or throwing in the dirt on some of those guys I, I the the it, the offense will have success with Chicago if they can get Montgomery going I think everybody in the world knows that you know to, to quote Matt LaFleur I think we know the game plan you know they're, they're going to try to run the ball on us if they can get that going if they can get Trubisky effective in play action and doing a little bit of a rollout there they, they got a little bit of a chance, but that's why I think Trubisky's kind of the wild card in that. If, if they're able to to get Montgomery going, is he going to be able to perform them, you know, to rise to the occasion? Let's face it, this is Trubisky's biggest game of his career, is it not? I mean, I know he went to the playoffs yeah. and all that, but this is this has got to be, I would think, his biggest game of his career, maybe to solidify himself as a starter for Chicago or somewhere else and getting Chicago to the playoffs and Really, a lot of Bears fans would probably love nothing more right now than to knock Green Bay off from getting the number one seed in the playoffs. So, I mean, this is almost like their Super Bowl so far this year is to knock Green Bay from getting that number one seed in the playoffs. Uh, let's do this. When we come back, I want to talk about the extension of a legacy. That's how important this game is. We'll get into that discussion when we return. It's the Bill Michael Settle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors. Go to BudLight.com for all that they have to offer. And uh, a reminder that uh, sitting in today on the program, we've got Dan Casper from 105.1 in Eau Claire and Grant Bills uh, from WKTY in La Crosse, our fine affiliate out there. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Settle presented by Bud Light Seltzer next. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
Yeah, that that was the only reason why I didn't sign with the team earlier because it, the, the coronavirus thing had just happened, and at the time the NFL didn't have a plan, so I didn't feel safe with making a decision, and I didn't have to rush into a decision then either. Now he's got fresh legs. That's Snacks Harrison. Looks like he's coming to Green Bay. Green Bay picks him up after he requests uh, a release from the Seattle Seahawks and uh, at least said that he wasn't interested in playing football anymore. That was until the Packers claimed him. Then suddenly he's tweeting out bingo and how we looking. Snacks Harrison on his way to Green Bay. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. Joining me tonight on the program, Dan Casper from 105.1 in Eau Claire, Grant Bills uh, from WKTY in La Crosse, uh, both on the panel tonight. And, Grant, I'll start with you this time. This is a legacy game. If Aaron Rodgers, and I'm saying if he goes three touchdowns, 250-plus yards, quarterback rating of 110 to 120, he locks up an MVP. That will be his third MVP, and suddenly he's flying in very rare air when you talk about a legacy. The only thing he'll have to add to that resume would then be, say, an additional you know, Super Bowl or two. But uh, how big of a game is this legacy-wise, in your opinion, for, for Aaron Rodgers? Well, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to play this weekend, and I think Rodgers is, is probably, unless he throws like three interceptions this weekend, I think he's going to end up with the MVP anyways, just by default. Week 17 is a little bit weird like that. It's not always as satisfying as we want to think. Like, not everything's decided in week 17. You know, some of these teams have their seed locked up, and players and, and quarterbacks are going to rest like Patrick Mahomes. I, I thought it was interesting what Aaron Rodgers said in his press availability today about the importance of an MVP. And this is something that I didn't realize. He said that if he won an MVP this year, it would just prove to himself that he didn't tail off at the end of his career like everybody said, because Aaron Rodgers said in his press availability, like, I feel like I've played really well the last couple of years. Things just haven't lined up, right? Like, they haven't worked out. We've gone through a coaching change. We've rebuilt the defense a little bit. Aaron Rodgers believes that he's been the same quarterback. It's just been some things changing around him and and some bad luck, which happens in football, right? If, If luck wasn't a part of it and circumstance wasn't a part of it, then the best quarterbacks would have the most Super Bowls. And we know that's not the case. If Aaron Rodgers can get a third MVP bill, I would much rather have a Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. But a third MVP puts him in that next level, right? Below only Peyton Manning, who has five. Who has four? Or who has a three? Excuse me, because nobody has four. What is it? Johnny Unitas, Tom Brady. Favre. Favre, Favre does, yeah. And, and now Rodgers. And there might be one I'm forgetting. But this, this MVP kind of levels him up in that regard. And that's a big deal, especially if Rodgers were to only finish his career with one Super Bowl. Dan, what do you think uh, as far as the legacy extension of Aaron Rodgers, if indeed he does win a, an MVP? I don't know if it moves the needle as much as a, another Super Bowl would. You know, like Peyton Manning had those five MVPs, but just one Super Bowl. And it, it, as soon as he got that second one, even though he he wasn't the Peyton Manning of what we remember when they won that Super Bowl, it, it almost vaulted him like a, a little bit higher uh, than, than I think any of his five MVPs. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay five MVPs, but – when you talk about goat statuses and, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to, who's been talking about the goats and all that a lot lately, a lot, a lot of people, more, they look more at, at the championship ranks. You know, if we're talking about just individual accomplishments, well, Peyton Manning would probably be the number one quarterback of all time for a lot of people, but it's Tom Brady and it's, it's Joe Montana. So I think in terms of like legacies and what would improve his, his legacy, you know, three MVPs, like Grant said, yeah, it vaults you in that category with some, with some big name players right there, but that Super Bowl. That vault you, I think, it moves the needle just a little bit higher than what uh, another MVP would for for Aaron Rodgers. 
then I would look at it this way, Grant. Does this team in your eyes, if you just look strictly at Kansas City and the way they play, does this team have enough to beat Kansas City? Because if we're going to talk about Super Bowls and not necessarily the third MVP, does this team have that legitimate – do you think they have legitimate shot at knocking off Kansas City? Because we all believe Kansas City is going to be the team to beat. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. I, I think this Packers team, when they're playing their best and everything's working, I think they can beat any team. I think they could beat Kansas City even if Kansas City plays well, right? Like, I don't think they need luck. I, I don't think they need Tyree Kill to get injured or, 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 you know, a ball to bounce their way. I think they could go toe-to-toe with Kansas City if they're playing their best brand of football, which doesn't always happen. I think they can beat anybody. And, and the, Chiefs have, the Chiefs have coasted a little bit this year. And it's funny because I... Like, I think I was watching the PFF forecast, and I know Eric Eager has been on your station, Bill, and it's always interesting to hear his perspective because he's a big Chiefs guy, and he comes from a data background and a data perspective. He used to teach at UW Lacrosse, actually, when I was here a couple of years ago. And people say the Chiefs are bored. This is a narrative and argument that's been pushed, right? The Chiefs don't cover. They don't win by multiple scores because they're bored. Well, it's funny because the Packers played very similarly last year. They won in uninspiring fashion, but they won a lot of games. And people said the Packers were frauds right? That they're overrated. Mm-hmm. Now, right. I understand that the Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champs. That's a that's a big deal. But it is interesting how we've carried the Chiefs water a little bit. I think everybody understands they're the best team, but they have to play like the best team. They have to have the best performance, not just have the best team on paper. I absolutely think the Packers could t- go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs if they're playing their best football. A- absolutely. Is the best team, Dan, in the uh, in the AFC, not the Chiefs, but the Bills? They're the hottest team right now, uh, clicking on all cylinders right now. I mean, you talk about a team that's going to go into the playoffs with a lot of confidence and a lot of swagger right now. I mean, you got Bill's Mafia that's just jacked up, and now they're going to have fans yeah, uh, they're gonna in have the fans. stadium. Uh, I mean, they're 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 flying in hot, and I don't know. They, if they want to play the disrespect card just a little bit, I mean, they, they can probably do that a little bit in the AFC because we're talking, you know, Chiefs and and all that so i i would say i don't know if i'd say they're the best i know was it pro football talk labeled them in their power rankings at number one i don't know if i'd put them at number one just yet but i would say definitely they are the hottest team right now playing with a lot of confidence and a a lot of swagger and now you're going to add in the, the crazy fan base of bill's mafia uh breaking card tables at tailgate parties and, and all that that's just that atmosphere even with just like six thousand fans or whatever it's going to be it's going to be pretty crazy. And I think whoever has to go there, it's going to be a tough out for whoever has to go to Buffalo and try to play them. Is the hottest team, Grant, coming into the postseason, if the Packers get a win this this weekend, they will have won, what, uh, eight out of their last nine? Uh, they have to be considered the hottest team in all of football coming into the postseason, don't they? Oh, I, I think absolutely, yeah. And I think being hot is really really important like look back at 2010 right we have experience with the Packers making the Super Bowl and winning a bunch of games in the regular season and charging into the the postseason and 2014 was the same way right that Packers team took their lumps early in the year but they were a well-oiled machine by the end of the year and they had so much momentum going into the postseason the Chiefs last year the same thing right they lost an ugly game what was it to Tennessee or to some other AFC team about three quarters of the way through the year and then they didn't lose again Right. It's Mm -hmm. about turning it on at the right time. And the Packers have seemingly done that. If they beat the Bears, not only do they have the momentum of winning a bunch of games in a row, but now they have this almost mental momentum of having home field advantage. And that went over the Titans is a huge deal, Bill, because nobody wants to play at Lambeau against the Packers. It's cold. It's in the elements. We, We know that that's always been the case. But this year, you can also look at that Titans game and think, oh, okay, so the cold is legit. 
like the Packers can actually play in the cold. The Titans are a physical football team and they got thrown around at Lambeau. So the Packers will have this momentum of winning a bunch of games, but they also have this home field advantage momentum that I think is it's it's mental and it's probably perspective from other teams and it's all in their head. But Aaron Rodgers said on Pat McAfee yesterday, the cold is a mental game. And if the Packers are able to lock up home field advantage, yeah, they're the hottest team in the NFC hands down, Bill. I, I, I 100% agree as far as cold being a state of mind. I mean, cold is cold. I mean, you're cold. You're physically cold. Feet, hands, the whole thing. I get it. Uh, but it, it's it's one thing to battle it physically. It's another thing to battle it mentally when it begins to overtake your mindset. And, and we've seen teams from the South uh, come in here with the mindset that they just that's all they concentrate on is the cold, and they kind of forget how to play football. Uh, but, Dan, I want to go back, and I want to ask you that win over the Titans. Did that legitimize the Green Bay Packers in many eyes? Or are people saying, well, it was the weather, uh, the Packers were hot, they got lucky, they got turnovers? What you know, Was that the game that legitimized the Green Bay Packers? I think for a lot of people it did. Uh, I, I threw out a tweet before that game. I can't remember another game, and at that point it didn't really ha- it didn't have any playoff implications. I mean, it wasn't their win. They're the number one seed against an AFC team. Uh, I, I can't remember the, that much anxiousness that fans had for a game where that really didn't factor into into postseason play or anything like that against an AFC opponent. I, I, I can't remember of an, another one. So I think for a lot of people. It, it was that litmus test that they were looking for. They, they wanted to go up against a big-time running back in Derrick Henry. Can this defense slow down a big-time running back? Well, they did. They held him under, under 100 yards. Ryan Tannehill, you mentioned a little bit earlier, kind of flying under the radar of how good of a season he's been having, and they were able to control him for the most part. Uh, so that was that game that, you know, no penalties for crying out loud. I mean, there was no penalties mm-hmm. committed by Green Bay. Uh, in four straight quarters that... I think a lot of Packers fans just wanted to see this team finally go out there and play. There was no lull in the second half. Uh, They came out of halftime. Okay, Tennessee scored. People were starting to get a little anxious on the socials out there saying, oh, here we go again, but then Green Bay responded. That's what I think a lot of fans wanted to see. But now I want to see consistency. What we saw in the one game, I know it's Chicago. It's a different style opponent, but Chicago's got a lot to play for. I want to see consistency in this now, and I know that's like, well, Dude, there's week 17. How much more are you going to see at this point? But that's the big thing for me is like, great, awesome. One game down, we, we saw it against a good opponent. But is there going to be any consistency from that? I think that's the question now for throughout you know this game against Chicago and heading into the playoffs. What we saw against Tennessee, can they do that every single game here on out? Dan, or excuse me, Grant, uh, did that game against Tennessee legitimize this team going to the postseason for you? It made me feel a lot better. I'm with Dan. I had a pit in my stomach all day Sunday. That game meant nothing in the grand scheme of things. I wasn't going to change the seating, but it felt like a playoff game, especially on prime time because all of America was watching. And like we can say that we don't care what the talking heads say. Like, oh, who cares what Colin Cowherd says? Okay, we totally care. That's what sports is about. Sports are so petty. Like we definitely care about other people's opinions. So that game meant the world. And to see the Packers play that well against a running back that well meant the world, especially so close to the postseason. And let me throw out a theory to you and 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 Dan, Bill. I think that Derrick Henry scared Mike Pettin straight. Like this game made me feel better about Mike Pettin because I think Mike Pettin in this matchup, in this instance, finally said, okay, you know what? Derrick Henry is so good. I actually have to change my defense around. Like I actually have to scheme up something and tweak something to adjust my defense to him. 
And maybe throughout the, 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 the whole season, Mike Patton was just thinking, you know what? My defense is good enough. We have good personnel. I don't need to do anything crazy. I don't need to do anything gimmicky, right? We'll just play our defense and we'll be good enough. And I think maybe this week, the threat and the thought of Derrick Henry was actually scary enough where Mike Patton sat down and actually like made a specific game plan for Derrick Henry. And that is a good sign to me that Mike Patton can get with this defense and tweak from week to week and adjust. And before this week, I didn't really know if that was possible. So I feel better about the Packers in that regard as well. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. When we come back, the Packers have a question to answer, and we would already discussed it a little bit regarding one other team in the AFC. We'll talk more about that. Should fans, should more fans be in the Lambeau Field when it comes to the postseason, and how full should it be in your eyes, considering Wisconsin is still considered a hotspot state? Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Settle coming up next. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I wanted to be out there, but I understood, um, you know, it was I had a good thing going here. You know, the guys were playing well, so I just had to be patient and continue to work. There was a lot of things that I needed to work on, so... You know, the being patient, the being patient part of it was tough, but, um, you know, I understood. Um, and it's 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 a different type of defense than I've played in in the past. Um, some of the defensive fronts are similar, so I have some familiarity with it. Um, but as far as, you know, asking me to do certain things that I'm not comfortable with, you know, it's it's whatever whatever they've been doing in the past that that's been working for the guys in the middle. You know, I, I just want to add to it. I don't want to you know change anything or. They haven't asked me to change anything because it's kind of similar. Now a Green Bay Packer, and he's going to add some depth to that defensive front. Uh, should he uh, say, you know what, Green Bay is the place for me without a doubt as the Packers pick him up. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michael Sutter presented by Bud Light Seltzer. And joining me tonight on the panel, we got Dan Casper from 105.1 in Eau Claire, also Grant Bills from WKTY in La Crosse. Uh, Dan, I'll start with you. Uh, the Green Bay Packers have had limited fans and very limited fans, 500 of them all season. Well, I shouldn't say all season, but uh, here recent season. Um, and, and you're seeing other teams now say during the postseason they're going to start opening their stadiums to more and more fans. What do you think the Packers should do? I think uh, health and safety should be priority number one. Uh, at this point, I know Wisconsin, you know, you kind of mentioned it's still kind of a hot spot up there. And I know there's, there's going to be a lot of anxious fans that would love to go to Green Bay, especially if they're the one seed and, you know, maybe even hosting an NFC championship game. I've been to a couple of those over there. There's that atmosphere is it's amazing in the playoffs, but especially for an NFC championship game. Um, and me personally, I, I'd love to go to again. I mean, this is the first year I, I and probably since early 2000s, I haven't been to a game at Lambeau. So it's it's definitely been kind of a, a weird experience for me. But I think uh, I, I think first and foremost, it should be safety. It should be health. For, for everybody involved, if they can come up with a game plan, you know, I know Buffalo really worked with, with their state legislatures and in their health department to, to kind of come up with, with a game plan. If, if there's something similar to, to that level that they could do, Hey, I'm all for it. But I, I think the priority for everything uh, should be uh, the health and safety of, of everybody involved. you know, not just the fans there, but you're talking stadium workers and, and everybody else there too. So I, I think that should be priority number one. Grant, uh, I this um, I missed one game in 20 years of Packers football, and this year I've missed an entire season 
the 21st season for me covering this team. So do you think the Packers should open it up to 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 fans? That's, I mean, I, I how the, Dan, Dan hit the nail on the head. It stinks, but yeah, you have to be safe. If there's a way you can do it safely, sure. It's interesting to see some of the things the NBA is trying to do, right, with input testing. Like as people go in, they need to be tested on the way in. That's an interesting thought. I don't really know if that's doable for five to 8,000 people or, or whoever, you know, the Packers want to have in Lambeau Field. I, I like look the at the idea of Florida was a hot spot. Florida was, was a that? hot spot. Florida was a hot spot. They're putting 20,000 fans in for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati was a hot spot. They put 16,000 fans in Paul Brown Stadium. Chicago has not had fans. They've been really a hot spot for the most part. But, you know, even you go up to uh, the Boston area, they're starting to talk about the possibility of putting fans in the stands. I, I For baseball season, once it starts to come around, I, I guess – I, I know it's each legislative branch in each state and such, but uh, others have been able to do it safely, and they haven't seen this super spreader spike. I, I guess um, I, as much as I – look, I understand health and safety first and foremost, but at what point do you say we can open this up and do it safely? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, and I think there is a, a point where we can do it safely, um, and that's just something they have to figure out. So if, if that means spacing people out, if you can do input testing like the NBA has talked about, I don't think that's realistic yet. But then again, I'm not I'm not super well read on on what's going on with the Packers and with you know the local government, like you said. I think it would be great to get some bodies in there. It's cool that the NFL is kicking around ideas to to allow healthcare workers in who've been vaccinated. That's a really cool idea. Um, I, I want people to be able to do what they want, right? I want them to be able to exercise their freedom. I just, I, I want people to be able to do it safely. Uh, I wonder how much Buffalo risk as possible. I wonder how much Buffalo would be a nice test because just for comparisons for Green Bay, because that fan base, you know, yeah. they're, they're the tailgaters. Mm-hmm. Like like Packers fans are all tailgaters. You open that up. I know it, it, it wouldn't be till the first week of, of the postseason, but I feel like Buffalo is like the best test so far that the NFL has had when you factor in all that tailgating experience and and the craziness that that Bills fans are going to have over there. Yep, no doubt. Uh, It's going to be an interesting watch. Uh, But uh, as we know, Super Bowl... No Radio Row this year. They have pretty much canceled that. No, the other, uh, no, none other the outside events. Uh, the Players Association event uh, pretty much has gone virtual. There's not much going on uh, except for fans in the stands at Super Bowl. So it's going to be an interesting and yet weird postseason for many in the NFL. One hour down, one hour yet to go. It's the Bill Michael Suttle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Stay tuned. We got more right after this. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle.
Good evening and welcome. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Huddle. We're glad to have you on board. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Brewed with that unique five-step filtration process ensures a cleaner finish. No lingering aftertaste. Only 100 calories. Dan Casper, 105.1 in Eau Claire. And also Grant Bills from WKTY in La Crosse tonight with us on the panel. The game coming up, the Green Bay Packers against the Bears. A lot of meaning to this game. Packers win. They get the number one seed. Bears win. They're going to solidify themselves in the postseason. They still have a shot at getting there if the Packers beat them. It would just mean that uh, they would also have to then rely upon uh, Arizona to get beat as well. So they would have to uh, rely upon the L.A. Rams to beat the Cardinals to allow them to get in. Uh, let's let's talk about this game, guys, upcoming and, and the importance of this game. Just you, I hate to say throw the record books out the window, uh, Grant, but – you really throw it out the window. You, you've got a, a, a revived Bears team that believes they can win and that there's some kind of destiny to a win if they do indeed get in. The Packers looking to deliver the knockout blow to the to the Bears down at Soldier Field yet again. The two franchises don't like each other. Matt Nagy scraping for a job. He gave up his play calling midseason. Trubisky, for the most part, he's trying to give himself some kind of a revival and maybe have some other teams look at him, but this might be it for him as well. There is a lot riding on this game in so many facets, aren't there? Yeah, this is a fascinating matchup because Week 17 can can kind of be – it can be a pitfall for a lot of teams, especially like the Packers last year. The Packers had every reason to play well and win in week 17 against the Lions. They they were going to lock up the two seed, which locked up a first round bye. And that Packers team in week 17 last year still dragged their feet and barely beat a Detroit Lions team that wasn't very good. Or they were playing a backup quarterback last week or last year. So week 17 can sometimes be a little bit of a pitfall. The difference this year and why I'm not really worried that the Packers will come in, you know, sleepwalking or looking ahead into the postseason is because it's the Bears. Like, I'm not worried about the Packers letting down this weekend and worrying about the postseason because Aaron Rodgers loves beating the Bears. Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, Soldier Field loves going to play there. David Bakhtiari said on your station yesterday that he wants to beat the piss out of the Bears. Like, the, the playoffs are almost put to the side. Like, this is just a rivalry game. Like, the Packers mm-hmm. could be 1-15. They could be 15-1. and one. Like, the Packers are always going to go all out to beat the Bears which is why I'm not really worried about them looking ahead or or sleepwalking into week 17, maybe like we saw last year against the Lions. Dan, does this have any of the trappings of being that trap game? Yeah, I I guess if I wanted to play devil's advocate, you kind of look at, look at that, that high, you know, that, that game that they played against Tennessee and coming off that high, is there going to be a little bit of a letdown and, one of my phrases I've just despised all season was this lack of juice and lack of energy that we kept hearing from, from some of these games because of no fans in the stadiums. And that was just one of those things that just grinds my gears. I guess if you're an athlete and you can't get pumped up for a game, I mean, come on, but anyways, mm-hmm. you know, if it, we're playing a devil's advocate, you can kind of look at that, but I don't know. I, I just think there's so much on the table. I, and I think Aaron has been kind of, you know, you go back the last couple of years, he's been saying we need the one seed. We need the one seed. Well, guess what? The one seed is right in front of you. What what you've been wanting for the last couple of years, it's in front of you. Get the job done. You you control your destiny. This is exactly what you have wanted for the last couple of years. If you can't get focused and if you can't stay sharp for this game and and have that energy and focus, what are you doing? So I think Aaron is, he recognizes this. He's trying to get everybody, you know, stepping up and being that leader. And I think everybody realizes it too. This is this isn't just some week 17 game against, uh, you know, your division rival who, yeah, they got a lot going on for them too, but you want that one seed, you want that home field advantage. 
here you go, baby. You can't ask for anything else coming in week 17. I questioned for a while, Grant, home field advantage for the Packers because I thought, you know what, a dome, no crowds, kind of, it's kind of got that neutral feel. I, I think, you know, those those natural yeah. environments, those neutral environments kind of favored the Packers in many different ways. After seeing them play against Tennessee, uh, I, wa- I, I still want to see them get home field advantage. I just want to make sure that I'm not buying into fool's gold, you know, that they had that one really good game in a snow globe game against Tennessee, and all of a sudden just cold weather, they're going to roll. I, I just I don't think it's going to be that easy. Do you? I, I, I agree with you, Bill. I, I don't want to fall into the trap of thinking that's just one game either. But that one game is very important to this Packers team. I've said on my show this season, this Packers team is all about energy and momentum, right? If this team is feeling good and everything's working for them, they're they're almost unbeatable. If this Packers team can run and pass and they're not getting penalized and they're not turning the ball over and, and they can front run, right? They can play with a lead and, and dominate time of possession. They're unbeatable, right? But when they turn the ball over once, when they have a 10-yard holding penalty and they have to punt, when they go out three and out, like one tiny little grain of sand gets gets put in the filter and all of a sudden this team gets off balance a little bit. So energy and, and and the mental side is so important to this Packers team, which is why I think that Tennessee game is really important. And Bill, if I can add one more thing about playing in the elements at Lambeau, I agree. Dome games really favored the Packers this year. This is a good team to play in a dome. But what I saw against Tennessee, and this is really important, is that Matt LaFleur started to figure out how to coach in the elements just a little bit because the Packers had two games at Lambeau this year where I was pretty unimpressed by Matt LaFleur's coaching. It was the Vikings game where they lost because Dalvin Cook ran all over them. Mm -hmm. And it was the Jags game where they won, but they didn't look amazing. And in those two games, I thought Matt LaFleur called plays a little bit scared. Like uh, Jacksonville isn't good. Minnesota's not good. But yet because they were outside in the elements, I think Matt LaFleur felt the need to simplify it and, and, and not push the ball down the field. And that touchdown pass to Equinemius St. Brown's a perfect example, right? If you get a favorable coverage, even if you're in the snow, even if you're in the elements, don't be afraid to trust Aaron Rodgers and push the ball down the field. And that game against Tennessee really exemplified to me that Matt LaFleur is starting to figure out how to coach in the elements. And that's really important going into the playoffs, especially if they're going to end up with the number one seed. I think playing the Dome really benefited Green Bay's offense and and Aaron Rodgers more than anything. Uh, I think we saw examples of that. You know, it's the hard count drawing them off sides and all that. I mean, if this is the year where visiting teams can go in and and have luck in in Domes, this is the year, and Green Bay really benefited that, and I think that's because of number 12 um, and what he can do on the offense. I think, Dan, uh, going back to playing at home, I think three things came up in that game that I really kind of took note of. Uh, the, the Packers were 10-0 and when they didn't turn the ball over. They turned the ball over in that game. That was the first time they won a game when they had actually turned the ball over. So they overcame that. Then, obviously, the elements, playing outside, playing against a team with a winning record. But then we saw them go down, put up points, and then right there at the end of that first half, they turned the ball over. First of all, it was that special teams gaffe. And then they got the the lining up in the neutral zone. But then they didn't make the fir- fourth down. Then they turned the ball over. Tennessee scored. Then they scored again out of the first half or coming out of the second half. And I thought, here we go. This is that reversal that we've seen so many times before where another team grabs momentum and runs with it. And much of the Packers' credit, they got the ball back, went down and scored in the third quarter, scored again in the third quarter. Uh, that's when the interception happened in the fourth quarter, but right after that, they scored again. So to me, it was like, I, I go back to what Grant talked about, they overcame the adversity, the play calling didn't change, they still had a lead, they still kept their foot on the gas, and, and they and, and they overcame the, that adversity of the elements and of the turnover. I think they kind of kind of slayed a lot of dragons in that game against Tennessee, don't you? 
Yeah, I, I, the phrase that you just said, you know, all the foot on the gas, and that's kind of been something that Packers fans probably the last few weeks have been saying, where's that? You know, Matt LaFleur was, was saying it last year, and a lot of fans were saying, well, where is that mentality this year? We're, we're not seeing it. And you kind of saw it again, or uh, you finally saw it against the the Tennessee Titans. So, yeah, they, they checked off a lot of boxes. It was a great litmus test against Tennessee. It gave a lot of fans confidence. It probably gave a lot of those players a lot of confidence going up against a, a really dang good offense. I mean, I think Grant mentioned it a little bit earlier. Maybe ten, you look at the numbers. You know, They were the number one scoring offense heading into that game by the slightest of margins, but still number one. Derek Henry 30, top 31 points per game, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was, you know, maybe a, a top five MVP candidate, top 10 at, at least at that point. So it checked off a lot of boxes, I think, especially for the defense. And that's what everybody's going to be focusing on from that game is that defense, a lot of – check marks were put on there, but the offense too of just the consistency, like you mentioned, Bill, you know, the, the Tennessee started to climb back in at 19 and 14. And there was probably a lot of anxious Packers fans out there. Like, Oh boy, here it comes again. Go down there and they score. And Devonta Adams, I'm sorry that that dude's an alien. I don't know wh- how he's, what he's doing is special. And I really hope we're appreciating what we're seeing with that chemistry too, because it's funny at the beginning of the year, even a little bit last year, all the talk was, well, he gets targeted too much. You got to spread the ball around. I'm sorry. If that guy's going to be making plays like that and making catches like that, I'm good with him getting 15 targets, targets a game guys. I mean, cause that dude is special. And Grant, don't forget Matt LaFleur knocked off Kyle Shanahan earlier this year and then comes back and beats Mike Vrabel as well, a guy that he just worked for a couple of years ago. So it's kind of like uh, the, the, the tour of, you know, kind of, again, slaying all the dragons, all the things that might have drugged you down in the past. You're knocking all of those off. And, I mean, he's now taking a loss in the division. So he got that, you know, got that pressure off of his back as well. You already had that loss in the division. Okay, now you can move on and not worry about, you know, being perfect in the division, even though that's what you want to be. Now you can get that out of the way as well. But he's he's done everything that, uh, that's been asked of. And I think that last game against Tennessee puts him on the right path. That's why I look at this, this Chicago Bears game in one of two ways. One, either... It is the classic trap game because now you're looking forward to the postseason. Or two, they're going down there with a load of steam, a lot of luck, feeling really good. They're hot. They're pretty much healthy. And they just want to kick the ass of the Chicago Bears. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think this is a big thing for for Matt LaFleur. He's still a young coach, right? I mean, this is only his second year, and, and he's got an opportunity for his team to get that one seed. And he's coming off of four quarters. He admitted himself the best performance that they've seen from this team this year. There's a lot of pressure on him too, just to get this team ready and mentally prepared for this game, you know, not to come in with a little bit uh, of an hangover, but I mean, this is, this is pressure for a first year head coach that, yeah, he's been off to a terrific head start or a start in his career, but it'll be interesting to see how he kind of manages this. And I, I know we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but you know, what is he telling the team? How is he keeping them focused and, and, you know, focused on on the ultimate goal and that's beating Chicago and not resting on last week's game let's do this we'll step away we'll take a quick break we'll come back we'll talk more about this matchup and then obviously get into the bottom of the hour when we start to make our picks not a Thursday night game to be had nor a Saturday night game to be had this week the NFL is all on Sunday as they close out the regular season stay tuned more of the Bill Michaels huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer next Wisconsin wide the Bill Michaels sports talk network Um, well, I wanted to be here all off season. 
you know, I had a good idea of where I was going to end up and I felt like it was going to be here. So um, I knew it was going to take hard work and it was going to take some time. So, you know, once the work uh, became a little more than I had expected, I wasn't going to run from it. Um, I felt like I was supposed to be here. So I wanted to continue to do that. Um, I moved my family here at the time too, honestly. So you know, I'm not a guy that likes to move around much or, you know, change sceneries a lot. So, um, you know, really once I got here and got settled in, it, it was a no-brainer to stay. There you go, Snacks Harrison talking about why he moved his family from Detroit to Seattle. I think he's got like seven kids. I mean, took everybody. Moved him all to Seattle. I, I wonder if his family's now just itching to get to Green Bay. <laughs> How many inches of snow you got there? Yeah, we're on our way. Maybe they're going to get some free passes to go down the sledding hill or something like that. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, this portion <laughs> of the program brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. And uh, Dan Casper from Eau Claire, our affiliate out there, 105.1. Also, Grant Bills from WKTY. Fine affiliate in La Crosse as well. The western portion of the state, very well represented tonight on the program. Um, so, look, I, I I guess when it comes down to a rivalry game, this is about short of the NFC Championship game. I'm trying to remember how many games were this important between the Bears and the Packers. It's been a long time in this goofy history between these two franchises where one team's had dominant decades over another grant. Um, I can't remember a time that there was this kind of an important game. I remember when Aaron Rodgers came back and Randall Cobb came back from injury. Rodgers was coming back from that shoulder. He threw that pass to Cobb, and, and that put him into the postseason. That was kind of an important game. But I don't think we really had a belief at that point in time that the Packers were really going to go deep into the postseason. As a matter of fact, they didn't. They got bounced the very next week. Um, but this is the last time, I mean, maybe since the NFC Championship game that this is an important game between these two franchises. Am I, am I kind of calculating that correctly? I, I think so. I think maybe another big rivalry game was week one last year, just because we talked about it for months and there was so yeah. much trash yeah. talked back and forth on Twitter. Like that, th that game wasn't as meaningful, but it was hyped up and it was talked about probably more so than most Packer Bears games. You know what I was surprised by? And I, I will admit that I didn't know my history on this. When I was talking about the Packers-Bears rivalry on my show the other day, I looked up how many times these teams have met in the postseason. I thought it would have been half a dozen, ten, like, but, but no, it's two. I have that correctly, yep. right? It's two times, like once in the yeah. 40s and once in 2010. I would have thought there were at least a handful of games, and it doesn't happen very often in the postseason. And this game is kind of like a postseason game, uh, mm -hmm. a lot on the line for both teams. So, I, you know, it's pretty cool, and I'm I'm about to be 23, so my Packers You're memory doesn't go. Yeah, my my yeah. memory doesn't go back as far. And after reading about that, about how they haven't matched up in the playoffs quite a bit, I felt so lucky that I was able to watch that game in 2010. Because in the in the moment, I don't know if I appreciated how important that game was in the grand scheme of the Packers Bears rivalry. Dude, were you born when they won Super Bowl 31? I was born in 1998, so I think I was. Oh no, you weren't. Oh, yeah, wow. I was just coming in. Yeah, it's a bummer. You just made me feel old. Bill, I can't imagine how old you feel now. Holy yeah, cow. I'm. Uh, that's that's a kick to the crotch right there. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> had to say uh, it. Had to say I, it. I, I want to look at this game in, in the light of uh, the, the defense we talked about for the Bears coming into this season was considered, quote, a championship defense uh, put around a craptastic offense, for lack of a better term. Uh, the offense, as much as we talk about Mitch Trubisky, the way I look at it, if they run the ball and if Montgomery gets his carries, say he gets 24 carries, uh, gets maybe 130 yards, 120 yards, 
they got a real shot at winning this game if they stick with Montgomery. The problem has been they get away from the guy. They don't give him carries. They put it in the, in the hands of Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles at the time, and they kind of get pass happy. But you look at guys like Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet. Cole Komet specifically here in the last four or five games has really started to come on. Jimmy Graham has found a new life down there for whatever reason. Allen Robinson has been extremely solid. But really, if they run the ball and make it effective and then use play action, this becomes a very formidable offense, doesn't it, Dan? It does, and that's why I was so impressed with uh, Frank Reich from the Colts because, I mean, when you're down a couple scores against Aaron Rodgers, a lot of teams panic, right? And they feel like they got to get into a shootout. They got to start throwing the ball around and and trying to play a little catch up. What do they do coming out of halftime? They have like a seven minute drive and they just hand the ball off and they plug away at it and they play solid defense. And all of a sudden, the game's going in a different direction and Green Bay's down. Frank Reich didn't panic having to go up against and seeing what they saw in that first half against Aaron Rodgers and that and that Packers offense. And you know that's where. I could, I think you hit it on the head. You know, when you're, if you're going up against this Green Bay team, if you're down at halftime by a couple possessions, don't panic. You know, just do what you do, hand the ball off in Chicago's case. That's your strength on offense. Hand it off, get those gains going, play solid defense, and kind of chip away at it. Because I think you can make the case maybe Green Bay's best defense is their offense. And it's not just because of scoring, it's those six, seven minute drives that they're just staying on the field and not allowing opposing teams offense to be on there. You know, you talk about like the chiefs and all that with their fast paced, high scoring offense. Well, if chiefs and green Bay play, how much does that affect? You know, maybe the best defense is going to be the Packers offense with those long extended drives there a, a little bit. So I think the big key is if, if Chicago is going to be down, is Matt Nagy going to panic? Is he going to start to get a little bit worried? And I know he's not calling the plays, but, are they going to start to say, oh, man, we got to play a little catch-up here and, and kind of get away from their game plan a little bit? I, I want to jump in. Can I, can I talk about David Montgomery just, just for a quick sec? Yeah, I, I heard on, on your show yesterday, Bill, Radio Joe was filling in, did a tremendous job. He had a guest on from the score. He had Mark Grody on, and the narrative was that this is a different Bears team, right, that they've figured a couple of things out. Their offensive line is 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 reconfigured and they're moving Mitch Trubisky around and now they're running the ball with such power and they're committed to the run game. Okay. That's all very true. The bears have done some smart things the last couple of weeks, but the bears aren't a good team. Like they beat most of the teams they should beat and they lose to the good team. So let me talk about the rushing attack for just a second. The last three weeks, the bears have beat the Texans, the Vikings and Jacksonville looked very impressive. It's a different team. They figured it out. Well, yeah, they've ran the ball, but Minnesota's 28th in opponent rushing yards per game. Jacksonville's 30th and Houston's 31st. So I agree. Chicago's been doing the smart thing. They've been feeding David Montgomery because I think he's their most sustainable source of offense, probably other than Allen Robinson. But you have to look at who the Bears have played. And they've done the smart thing, but the idea that the Bears have completely figured it out and reinvented themselves and they're a different team now, I just, I, I don't buy into that. The Bears have beaten one team with a winning record. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it took 12 penalties and Tom Brady to forget how many downs there were in the final drive for them to be able to do it. Otherwise, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pull that out. I agree with you. I think that it has been a run of luck in the sense that they figured a few things out offensively. And in addition to that, they've also played some really uh, some really bad teams. So uh, that's why th this Bears game, I really don't, other than the fact that the Bears have a little bit of confidence, I really don't think that this team is is that formidable. Frank Reich and, and sticking with the run and I wonder I, I, I did it during the postgame show had the Packers converted that fourth and three and put it into the end zone they would have been then up four scores 
and maybe that changes the narrative just before halftime and maybe the, you know the Titans don't get the ball back right away and maybe the Packers kick off and maybe they pin them back and then you know all of a sudden the half ends and they're coming out of halftime down four scores I wonder how quick Frank White Reich would have been to abandon the run at that point you know what I mean because I thought the Packers had a chance right there yep. to deliver that knockout blow and they just failed to do so yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that would have made all the difference in the world. I mean, you know, on paper it may not look like a bunch, but you're down four scores, and uh, what you're just witnessing from from that Green Bay offense, I think that factored in, uh, would have factored in quite a bit for for Frank Reich there. I uh, let's do this. We're going to step away and take a quick break. Uh, I want to come back. We're going to start to look around the rest of the league. Got a lot of impl- playoff implications regarding uh, the games this weekend. So we're going to start to get into our picks, and uh, we'll also give you the Green Bay Packers pick last uh, last segment of the program. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer coming up right after this. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Ooh, you got pen and paper, man. It's it's seven of them. I have seven, right? And ages 10, I'm sorry, 12, 10, 6, 3, one-year-old twins, and a five-month-old. Let me make sure I didn't miss anybody. 12, 10, <laughs> 6, 3-year-old, yeah, one-year-old twins, and my five-month-old. That's seven. Yeah, yeah, that's seven. <laughs> Snacks Harrison trying to figure out all the kids he has. That's seven. Count them. I think they're all right now on the sledding hill at Lambeau. How are we looking? Welcome back. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's so, and you gotta, you got to kind of ponder with that thought bubble above your head how many kids you have and what their names and ages are, I guess, then – yeah, that's uh, that's a whole different day at the office right there. That's uh, that's a little embarrassing. Uh, welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle presented by Bud Light Seltzer. We got Dan Casper uh, joining us tonight uh, from 105.1 in Eau Claire. Also, Grant Bills from WKTY in Lacrosse. Time now to start to take a look around the rest of the National Football League and make some picks. Uh, Dolphins and Bills. Good game. Uh, playoff seating, obviously. Uh, on the line in this one, guys, uh, the Dolphins on the road up in Buffalo. Buffalo gets word that come the postseason they're going to start getting fans, and they're riding a high right now. Uh, the Bills are riding high. They beat the Patriots twice in one season. They haven't done that. No team has done that since going back to 1999 for Bill Belichick. Uh, I'm As much as I think uh, the Dolphins are an up-and-coming team, I don't think they have enough to get past the Bills this weekend. I'm taking the Bills. Grant, who you got? The Bills. I like the Dolphins. They're really well coached. I like their defense, but defense is inconsistent. You can't rely on it. And I don't think two is that good right now. Not to say he won't be good in the future, but not right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with the best quarterback playing right now. I'm going to go Josh Allen. Uh, over under Ryan Fitzpatrick, two quarters. The, you know, the whole relief pitcher mindset uh, that, that uh, Flores is playing with this. It's interesting, but hey, they're probably going to the playoffs with that. You got the Ravens at ten and five, rounding out their season against the craptastic Cincinnati Bengals, who are four ten and one, riding the high from beating the the Steelers, and then well, that's about it. That's the extent of their season. I'm I'm going to take Lamar Jackson and company to to knock off Cincinnati yet again. Dan, I'll go back to you. Uh yep, I'm going Ravens. Don't need to add anything else. It's Cincinnati. <laughs> 
Ravens. I think we kind of forgot how good the Ravens are. They went through a bunch of adversity, some missed games and injuries in the middle of the year. Yeah, Ravens are good. Ravens, yeah. Then you got the 12-3 and Steelers who have somewhat stumbled here down the stretch, even though they got it right the other day, taking on the Browns, who all the Browns had to do was beat the Jets, and they caved, which I, I couldn't believe, but nevertheless, it happened. Uh, the Browns are hosting the Steelers. Both of these teams have stubbed their toe as of late. I just believe more in the Steelers than I do in the Browns, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Steelers in this contest to get the win. Grant, Steelers. I think the Steelers were angry. They're sick of people hating on them. Like, and people should hate on the Steelers because they kind of had an attitude and Juju's dancing on logos. But the Steelers are better than they've shown the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I'm going to be a lone wolf. I'm going to go with the Browns on this one with Mason Rudolph getting a start for the Steelers. So that was my wolf howl, guys. That was pretty pathetic. That was there nice. you go. That was good. That was, yeah, I, was, I like that. Yeah, there you go. Although the one thing, the Browns have had two more positive COVID tests, so they've had their mm-hmm. own issues with uh, the virus mm-hmm. this week. So that's something else to keep in the back of your mind. Then you've got the Vikings and the Lions. Vikings on the road, Lions at home. Um, you know, as, as much as I – I'm going to pick the Lions just because I want the Lions to win. Uh, the Vikings have been such a an up-and-down team. Just when you start to think they put it back together, they stub their toe yet again. The quarterback play has been okay. Uh, Stafford has been better uh, than, I think, uh, what Kirk Cousins brings to the table. And Maybe it's just I want the Lions to win. So I'm, I'm picking the Lions in this one. Dan, I'll go back to you. No Dalvin Cook for this Vikings game. His father passing away, so he's going to miss miss the game. Uh, but I, I I think the Lions. I just think Dalvin Cook is such a big factor with that offense for for Kirk Cousins and the play action. So uh, I'm going to go with the Lions on this one. Vikings because Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are actually their two most important players on offense. Dalvin Cook, they give him the ball a lot, but I think Justin Jefferson is more important. Hot take. Yeah. Hot take. Here, here's the thing, though, and here's what annoys me, is the TV coverage of Bucks Heat was pulled the other night, and there are going to be cameras and announcers at Ford Field for this game, and if we can't televise the Bucks, I don't think we should be televising this game. This is going to be the most dead <laughs> game in history. Two teams that are out of it, Ford Field, no fans. Like, pull that off TV. If the Bucs yep. can't be on TV, I, I think that game should be pulled off TV. I would thoroughly agree. Then you got the Jets at 2-13, and 13, taking on the Bears, sitting at 8-7. and seven, Or, excuse me, the Patriots sitting at 6-9. and nine. And, uh, and Bill Belichick's throwing phones. He's mad. Cam Newton stinks. We knew that. I think Stidham has just enough to beat the Jets. So I'm going to take the Patriots at home in this one, guys. And, uh, Grant, I'll go back to you. Yeah, pa- yeah, Patriots. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Part of me just wants to say that Bill Belichick wants to screw the Jets and lose this game on purpose to to ruin their draft position, but uh, I'll go Patriots. <laughs> that would be Bill Belichick, too, wouldn't it? It would. And that way he'd get a little bit better draft position as well. So, yeah, I could see exactly. Belichick doing that. Uh, then you got Mike McCarthy trying to trying to win the NFC least. Uh, six and nine, taking on the Giants at five and ten. They obviously need some help, but the Cowboys on the road. I'm, I, I have been dreaming of the Cowboys getting in and ending up in an NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. I'm going to keep the dream alive. I'm going to I'm going to go with Mike McCarthy. We're going to look at the film. I'm going with Mike McCarthy in the win over the Giants in this one. Dan, back to you. That's not a polluted mindset, Bill. I'm going with the Cowboys as well. <laughs> yeah, I think Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys figured out that they have really good wide receivers last week, and Andy Dalton didn't look half bad. And I think we all fell in love with the Giants for like two weeks, and I think that that was about it. I, like, I don't think the Giants are very good. Yeah, Dallas. That is the highest, pro, uh, you know, kind of uh, 
praise for Andy Dalton. He did not look half bad. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. Then you got the then you got the Buccaneers at home fighting for position, and uh, the Falcons are on the road. Falcons are four and eleven, and uh, the Buccaneers at ten and five. They have locked up the postseason, but trying to jockey a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Tom Brady and company. When it comes to getting hot and heading into the postseason, Brady knows what it's all about with uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, I'm going to take those guys at home without a doubt. Grant. Yeah, I think I'd take Tampa, and if we were betting the spread, which is six and a half, I think I'd take Tampa to cover too. I feel like the Falcons will hang around, and, and they're a competitive team, but they have to be so beaten down by week 17 with all mm-hmm. these games that they came close. I feel like they're just going to give up this week. Yeah, I'll go Tampa as well. I, I feel like a lot of people almost want to pick Atlanta just because, you know, a little bit of an upset with some players on offense, but I don't want to overthink this one, and I'll go Tampa. Then we start this slew of 325 games. They're all going to be played. They all have implications. The Saints on the road taking on the Panthers. Panthers at 5-10, and 10, Saints at 11-4. and four. As much as I think the Panthers are a solid team, they're just not ready to win just yet. Uh, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater just makes too many mistakes. That defense plays extremely hard. I just think the Saints, with a lot to play for and, and trying not to do the scoreboard watching thing, I'm going to take the Saints on the road to get the win in this one to go to 12-4. and four. Dan, back to you. Yeah, easy call for me. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Drew Brees and the Saints in this one. I'll take the Saints too. Bill, I agreed with everything you said. That was stellar analysis. I like what Carolina is doing. I like the recipe that they're using, and I like their players. They're just not ready to win yet. Uh, Let's do this. We'll come back with the second half of games and all the 325 games that matter. We'll get into that when we come back. Plus, we'll make the pick for the Packers and the Bears. That is coming up in the final segment of the Bill Michaels Tunnel presented by Bud Light Seltzer. That is next. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I look at it as this is essentially the wild card game for us. So we either don't come out to play this week, and you know, lethargic, don't take it seriously, and we lose next week's bye. Or we take this like the wildcard game, we come out ready to play, and then we get our next week off. So I'm assuming all of us in our, in our facility are definitely going to go with beat the piss out of the Bears. One, because it's the Bears. Two, because we need it to the one seed. And, you know, then the following week we can be able to practice, heal up, watch the games, figure out who's going to come out to Lambeau Field. That's the words of David Bakhtiari on our flagship station out of Milwaukee yesterday. Uh, talk, or actually, that was later earlier today. Uh, talking about uh, was that no? That was yesterday. Yesterday, Tuesday. I, I've got my days. You take a couple of days off. You don't know what the hell day it is. I spent my off days have been consisting of cleaning up around the house and washing carpets and getting oil changes and stuff. It's not like some glamorous thing. It's not like I took off and I'm I'm doing nothing but cigars and cocktails. It's it's been, you know, grooming the dogs, snow blowing, and uh, and cleaning carpets top to bottom in the house. So that's that's what I've been up to. So I've lost track of days. So pardon me. Uh, welcome back. It's Bill Michaels Huddle, and it's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. And we get into the final segment with Dan Casper from 105.1 in Eau Claire, and also Grant Pills from WKTY in La Crosse. As we continue our picks uh, throughout the rest of the NFL, the second half slate of the games you got the Raiders on the road seven and eight the Broncos sitting at five and ten kind of a meaningless game in this contest uh, just because 
I'm going to take the Raiders. I just don't think the Broncos are that good of a football team, and their record's very indicative of that. If there's any a team out there that has a record that's very indicative of the actual talent that's on the field, I think it's the Broncos. Defense is okay. Offense is terrible. Uh, so I got the Raiders. Dan? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders as well. And uh, maybe Marcus Mariota, if he gets into the game, maybe kind of another uh, – tryout for his future team as there's some reports out there that the Broncos are interested in him and John Elway interested in him as a possible starter next year. That's uh, such a Broncos thing. Yeah. Vegas, just because I don't think Gruden can make enough coaching mistakes this many weeks in a row. Like I think he's due for things to line up. So yeah, I think Vegas and Denver's not any good. Yeah. Uh, then the next one, you got the Titans on the road taking on the Texans. Now, the Titans right now, when you talk about seeding, they are sitting at uh, 10 and 5, but so are the Dolphins, so are the Ravens, so are the Browns, so are the Colts. There's a lot riding on this game. They've got to win because you can end up falling in this uh, to a certain extent. So I've got the Titans on the road taking on the Texans, even though we saw J.J. Watches get PO'd and tell guys to stay home if you don't want to try and you don't care and you don't give a damn. Uh, as much as the rah-rah speech uh, is very indicative as to how he feels, I just think the Titans are too good of a football team, even if they are playing in Houston. So I'm going to go with the Titans. Grant? I am going to go with the Titans, and I'm going to steal a take from your morning show host, Bart Winkler. The Titans only win when you don't believe in them. Like when they start to get a little momentum, then they let you down. The Titans lost last week, and now everyone's out on them, so they will win this week. That and the Texans aren't very good. Right. Uh, Derrick Henry rushes for over 100. Titans bounce back with a victory over the Texans. As I had mentioned, a whole slew of teams sitting at 10-5 and in that AFC, the Colts being one of them. They are at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. As much as I like the Jacksonville's defense, and they hit, they come after you and they hit, there's overall as a team, they're just not very good. And Marone is one of the coaches that I think is kind of a moron and should probably be losing his job. So uh, I'm going to be taking the Colts in this one at home to win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who will then have the Trevor Lawrence pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Dan? Uh, Phillip Rivers might have to delay his high school coaching career just a little bit. Colts win. <laughs> yeah, I think the Colts are too good to lose to Jacksonville. I would be interested because Jacksonville's got that one pick locked up, so maybe they would, I don't know, rally together for one final win, but no, I think Indy's too good. Uh, the Chiefs at 14-1 and one, resting some guys because they've got everything locked up over in the AFC. The Chargers... I really like what Herbert's been able to accomplish. The problem is their defense has just given way too much up on the backside. I, their, their pass defense is terrible. Their run defense is adequate, but they just too many missed tackles, too many arm tackles, a lot of injuries this season. Chargers just don't have enough with or without Patrick Mahomes, so I'm going to take the Chiefs at home to go to 15-1 and on this season. Dan? Uh, I'm actually going to go with the Chargers and in, uh, in Herbert. I like I like a lot what he's doing this year, too. So uh, I think with, with no Patrick Mahomes and some other starters down, I think the Chargers uh, get a W. You know, what the heck? Yeah, the Chargers might do. I wonder what kind of run Hill and Kelsey are going to get. That makes a big difference, too, because I think Matt Moore with all the weapons could beat the Chargers. I don't know if they start resting other weapons. Yeah, what the heck? I'd say Chargers. Why not? A, a game that has implications in the NFC. The Rams fighting for position. The Cardinals fighting for their lives. And uh, if the Cardinals win and the Bears lose, the Cardinals are in. If the Cardinals lose, uh, the Rams can jockey for position. And in addition to that, if the Packers then win, the Bears are out. Uh, but the Rams, 
Uh, as much as I like the Rams, I just don't think the Rams are going to have enough. I think the Cardinals are going to come to play on the road. They're going to kind of give a mild upset, and the Cardinals are going to find their way into the postseason. So I'm going to take the Cardinals on the road against the Rams. The Cardinals go to 9-7. and seven. The Rams will end their season at 9-7. and seven. And, Grant, I'll go back to you. The Rams are with a backup quarterback, right? Jared Goff's not going to yep, play. Jared Goff Kyle had Murray thumb surgery. He's, he's, he's going to play. I don't know. I do not like Cliff Kingsbury. Like, I just, I don't think he's a very good coach right now. And I really like every coach on the Rams. They're so smart. I just, I feel like Kyler Murray should be able to to run his way to a win and Arizona really needs it. So I'll say Arizona. Uh, I'm going to go Arizona. Kyler Murray over Jared Walford. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's why I'm picking it right there. Quarterbacks. Uh, I, I would say Kyler Murray, yes, but more DeAndre Hopkins over everybody. Yeah. So I'll go in that uh, in that light. Then there's the Seahawks. Seahawks have to win. And then scoreboard watch as well, taking on the 49ers. Seahawks on the road. Uh, even though their defense not nearly as good as maybe they thought it would be when they picked up snacks, when they picked up Dunlap, uh, I still think they're very vulnerable. But I think they're, they're going to do enough to get the win. I th- I'm going to pick the Seahawks on the road against the 49ers to get the win. Dan? Uh, yeah, I'm going with the Seahawks. Uh, I think the, it's going to set up for a big-time game between Chicago and Green Bay for that one seed. So, yeah, I'm riding with the Seahawks in this one. Yeah, Seahawks will win, I think. But I, I've been so impressed with Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. Like, they have no business winning any of these games over the last couple of weeks. And they've found a way to rally together and, and get it. It's been really impressive. I just don't think they will this week because Seattle has everything to play for. Seattle's too good. Then uh, this is a weird one because Washington will know whether or not they need to win uh, on Sunday night. That's the Sunday night game, Washington against the Eagles. And if the Cowboys win, Washington has to win to get in. If the Cowboys lose, Washington is then in. They will end up being the NFC East champion. Uh, The Eagles, uh, all that Doug Peterson talked about was winning this week, was trying to end on the right way. He's taken a lot of criticism and a lot of heat. There's even some people calling for his job in Philadelphia. I got a weird sense he's going to rally the troops, and the Eagles are going to pull off the upset on Sunday night football. And again, Mike McCarthy's going to find his way into the postseason. So I'm going to take the Eagles to get the win on Sunday night. Dan, I'll go back to you. Uh, Alex Smith might be back, but I want to watch the world burn a little bit, and I want the Cowboys in the playoffs just to, just to see that. So I'm picking the Eagles to win this one, and you're right. Mike McCarthy's in the playoffs, baby. I want I want that as well. God, this I hated this is on Sunday night football. I get it decides the division, but I don't re- like I don't really care. Like okay, right. if Washington wins, they win the NFC East, but I don't really care. Um I mean, I'll say Washington if you're both going to say Philly. I I hope Philly wins. Um but I'll say Washington. Their defensive line is nasty and that should be tough for Jalen Hurts. The only way I watch this game is if the Cowboys win. If the yeah. Cowboys lose, I don't watch this game. I I could care less. Uh, I'll be I'll be you know scrubbing toilets or something. I, I there's no way I'm going to watch that. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously hair. yeah exactly. Then the final game the Packers on the road taking on the Bears. Uh, as we had talked about throughout this uh, throughout this evening, I just think the Packers are on a roll. I think that they are focused. Um, I don't care about good weeks, bad weeks in practice. I just think that there's a lot riding on this game. I do not look for the Packers to have a letdown or sleepwalk through this thing at all. I think the Packers are going to punch them in the mouth and keep the keep the gas pedal to the floor. Packers win, and I'm going to say in this one, I think the Packers are going to win uh, 35-24 maybe, 35-17, somewhere in there. But I'm going to say 35-24, the final for the Packers, beating the Bears. And when Arizona wins, the Bears are then knocked out of the playoffs, and uh, it's going to make me smile. Dan, over to you. 
Uh, I'm going to go with a 33 to 13 Green Bay shellacking. There you go. There you go. Good save. Good save. <laughs> I think I've been saying all week on my show that I, I don't think the Bears are that good. I think they've just managed to win some games. And I've said repeatedly that the Packers won't look past the Bears because they're the Bears. So by all that logic, I think I got to pick the Packers. You know what? If Akeem Hicks isn't going to play, this is going to get ugly. This is going to be ugly at Soldier Field. I think the Packers will score like 35 points somewhere like, I don't know. 35-17. 35-17, Something like that, I think, is where it's at. There you go. Yeah. Dan, appreciate it. Uh, Grant, always great to chat with you guys. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, you Bill. You got it. It was fun. There you go. Dan Casper from 105.1 in Eau Claire. Grant Bills from WKTY, our fine affiliate in Lacrosse. That's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer each and every week. Carbonated uh, naturally, gluten-free, includes no artificial flavors. Go to BudLight.com. Time for us to go. Have a go. Soup. Sixteen stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.